It's Friday night. That can mean only one thing. Yes, it's weekender time. And we're giving away a Wardroon Warband. Yes, these are the amazing orcs from Conquest. You've got to check these out. Jerry will tell us more about it during the show. If you want to be in with a chance of winning that, it's dead easy. All you got to do is post a comment below. Smash that like button. My children have been training me in this whole YouTube spiel. And finally, hit subscribe and ding my dong, because the weekend has just started now. Hello, folks. We're back again to bring you all the tabletop yeah. gaming goodness that you love. And this week, Warren is joined by myself, Free, and Ben, as we take a stroll through gaming news. But before we get in there, we have a few updates. First off, if you're watching this on Friday, then that means you're in prime position to tune in tomorrow, when myself and Warren will be uh, throwing waves upon waves of Zulus at the defenders of Rourke's Drift in a little live stream. Yes. Um, so this will be going out on uh, the Twitchies, the YouTubes, and I believe our homepage as well. So mm -hmm. three ways to watch. And you can even talk to us. And sometimes I'll even remember to look at the screen and read what you're saying. <laughs> I'm super excited about this. I am really looking forward to this. To play Rourke's Drift mm. on an anniversary of like Rourke's Drift. Like how often does that happen, Jerry? Apart from obviously the couple of hundred years where it did happen. Yeah. But this is our opportunity. This, this is our now. opportunity. To take advantage mm. and, and to do this. I am looking forward to it. I bought um, myself a new laminator. That's how much I'm looking forward to it. Well, You're getting nice. more technologically able, Jerry. Look at you with Look a laminator. There's our, there's our timetable for what happened on the day. I'm going to be Each one of those is a game spoiled. turn. And then on that side, that actually tells people how to play rather than look at me going, what am I doing with these? They can then just turn it over and go, I'm going to charge. Go, okay, do that. You do realize, Jerry, that I am still going to be looking at you going, uh, what do I do with these? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, young Shay has come down with some form of the lurgy and will not be joining us. Uh, so it looks like you will be up against me defending. Da -da -da -da. <gasps> do you know what, Jerry? Me and you have got this. Oh, very much so. Tonight, whenever this whenever this show ends, okay, I'm going to have an early night. I'm going to scuffle off the bed. Good plan. Probably take some whiskey with me, but I'm going to scuffle off the bed, and I'm going to stick on my Rourke's Drift audio book. Ooh. Because <laughs> by tomorrow- book by? Do you know? Yes. An author, believe Good. it or not. Johnny Zulu. Um, uh, uh, you know what? <laughs> I shall I shall look it up. Um if I could spell Rourke's Drift. Rourke's Drift. Oh. <laughs> I've been rereading Zulu by Saul David recently, but that's that's about the whole Zulu war. Although there is a chapter mm, somewhere slap bang in the middle about the drift, but it is really only just a chapter. Yeah. Um, now, um, focus in on it. There's a couple um on uh, Audible. <laughs> okay, um, I'm I'm not sure which one it is. It, it might be the Crucible of Honor. Okay, 
um, which is the Battle of Rourke's Drift, and it's an Anglo Anglo Zulu War book too, and it's by a chap called James Mace, and uh, narrated by Jonathan Waters, or it could be Adrian Greaves' Rourke's Drift, um, which is uh, narrated by Paul Herzberg. Now. The interesting thing is the version that I'm listening to mm-hmm. is very interesting because it's it's done from the perspective of it. It's historically accurate, but he actually fills in the dialogue All right. uh, that he would have expected to have happened. So um, it, it's it, it's very it's very realistic. It, it's yeah. very gritty. And uh, uh, and yeah, I, it's it, it's really really good. Actually, it is really good. So I'll be listening to that. Um, that and I will be coming in in full Zulu mode. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say full Zulu dress. There, so did I. We were all waiting for us. <laughs> I shall hunt out my gourd, and and if and if I can't find it. There's a lovely looking carrot up the stairs. I shall get my whittling knife out and, and it will be ready. And uh, I will be there, Jerry, in all my glory to, to, to bring the Zulus uh, down upon you. I have an interesting one for you, actually. Last night I was listening to an audio book um, and it was an audio book um, about um, a submarine, a Russian submarine that either disappeared or defected. I didn't get that far. I fell asleep um, uh, <laughs> during the Cold War. But the best thing about it was when I fell asleep, I dropped into that world in my dream. Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah. I spent I spent the whole night basically in a world of Cold War espionage and submarines. And that's it was cool. really, really interesting it was just it was really interesting it was like a, it was like a real kind of bond meets connery yeah. I was say, uh, oh, it was did, great did you have difficulty understanding the captain with such a thick glaswegian accent well it was interesting because i was on the americans side right i've, I've been i've been really embracing america recently America. I'm, I'm just i am just so america um <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's all Stevie Ray Vaughan's fault. He's got me completely in the mood for America, and I'm just all America at the moment. And you want to know something which was totally awesome? The captain of my U-boat, well, it wasn't a U-boat, they're Germans, mm. submarine. The captain of my submarine was the dude from Breaking Bad who was also in The Mandalorian. Oh, um Fring, Gustav yes, Fring. Fring. From, yes, yes. I, I should remember Gustav Fring's real life world name, but I don't. So I'm just going to call him Gustav. But he wasn't called Gustav on the on the U on the the submarine. Can you guess what he was called, Ben? Johnny Submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Ben. You can do it. Can you guess what he was called? Captain Sub Captain. You got it. His name was Captain. Right. So that's the end of my story. Jack Carter, what does he do for people playing at home? 
Yeah, so if you're, inter- if you're interested in your Rourke's Drift, mm. me and Jerry are going to have the time of our lives. Very much so. Playing well, enjoy yourselves. We don't Saturday. care what happens to you at home. We're 1 p.m. GMT. GMTs? What? <gasps> hey, that Historically accurate, that one. Mm. <laughs> GMT and Tiffins, man. We'll, we'll, we'll be on our way. All about that. Um, also, uh, in uh, keeping with me, because apparently I'm the most important person. Uh, I've been sitting down with Leo from Parabellum, and we've been doing a new path of conquest uh, for the Wadrun, uh, the lovely Saurian lizardmen, orcish people uh, for conquest and the world of yay. Possibly not how that's pronounced, but it's how I'm pronouncing it. Uh, if you've been interested in conquest, uh, we've already done the initial four factions. Um, and this time round, we add in the new milestones from one to six so that you can build your Wadrun all the way to the end to have a, a fully fighting force, a fully armed and operational Saurian battle station, or in this case, a massive apex predator that I can set on people. Oh, so, yeah. so this is another track in our Slow Grow League then, yes. Jerry, yeah? Yep. So in the original Slow Grow League, we had four tracks depend for the four other factions. You could kind of hop in, choose your faction, and then join along hmm. or suggested builds and suggested uh, tactics and stuff for those builds. Mm-hmm. So this is now added a fifth track. I like that idea. I really it's- do like that idea. And if you, if you haven't been into Conquest, go and check it out. I'm going to do a massive plug for the OTT store. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get it on the OTT store. Um, we're, we're getting an upgrade. We're getting a big old upgrade. So, um, uh, so the all of the all of the really kind of smart minds and stuff behind the scenes, um, uh, have been working on an upgrade to the store. So it'll be rolling out very shortly. Um, uh, and apparently that upgrade will allow me to to fire out vouchers. Yeah, so I can I can come on this show and just start saying, hey, let's get some vouchers." <laughs> and um, yeah, it means I'll be able to get stuck back into the store because the whole idea of the OTT store mm-hmm. is for it to have the coolest, most weird and wonderful hobby stuff that you could ever find. And a curated selection of some of our favorite games and miniatures. So it's not all encompassing, but it has what we think is cool. And then a mountain of the weird and wonderful and really cool kind of hobby stuff. So you can take what we think is cool and make it even cooler than we ever thought that it could be in the first place. With practically everything from Green Stuff World on there, so yes, yes. <laughs> oh, everything so is cool. I am so hooked. So, yep, yeah, that is that is basically my mission in life now, is to find all of the weird and the wonderful, and uh, bring it all together into to one kind of Willy Wonka of the wargaming world, where I can get my stick and do somersaults and stuff like that. There, Brown and then the cool rolling pin. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, we, we kill one child off for every range we, we add. Yes, it's just the way it works. <laughs> it's, it's, I, will say, I will say, going back to the Conquest thing, if you're interested in picking up some stuff in there, we actually have bundles dedicated to the different paths of Conquest. So yes, that's right. If you yep. wanted to check out the ones from 100 Kingdoms or the Spires or whatever, each of those is then labelled on the 
OTT store. So you can be like, oh, I just want to get all of the miniatures that Jerry used or Justin used or something. You can just go and grab that if you want to follow along, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. So hopefully we'll do something similar for the Wadroon as well when we get And to I mean, place, who so. does not want a giant T-Rex? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dinosaurs are always cool. So I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want yeah. to start with a Wadroon. Yeah. Yes, but but it's this is not just any T-Rex. This is one that you can ride on. That is true. There are three flavors of them, which you'll find out. I think. Oh, I want to say it doesn't get added till about week five, so you have to uh, you have to stall your guns on that one to find out exactly how good it is. Is it a case, though, Jerry, that whenever you open the box that has that horrifying T Rex in it, mm. the first human that it sees, it bonds to. And it is, creates it creates a human T Rex kind of a bond. That is very true. Oh, yeah, Jace puts imprints on you, Cherry. Yeah. <laughs> Look at it! Look at it! There's two of them, and they're ready to attack. Jerry's got a couple of T Rexes on the end of his digits, and he's not afraid to use them. I'll go one step further, and a little bit spoilery, but not much. Yeah, Leo, when we're talking about how he's building my force, because the Wadrin work differently to a lot of the other forces they kind of uh, build like the zulus that they've got very african tribal feel to them as they fight they build chants up and then the chants can be used for other units to um inspire them in different ways uh, so we're, we're going through all of that works he's explaining how to, how this works for the bloodied and the braves and all the rest and then we get to the the apex predator and uh, and leo goes i've built a list with three in mine because <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah, I'm not getting three, am I? No, oh. you're not getting three, but I've built the list for three. Of course he did. Of course he did. It's absolutely the way to go. I feel sorry for the T-Rex free. Why? What's, what's because in the grand scheme of deep time and the world and evolution, if you think about it, right, you could go back and you could pick out a shrew and you could show the shrew, look what you became. You became a free. Or a Ben. Look at look how look how amazing evolution treated you. You could pick a monkey or some kind of ape, and you could bring them forward, and they, they'd be impressed by what they saw. You get a T Rex, you bring him here, you show him a chicken. Very true. A dumb animal, <laughs> a dumb dumb it's- animal that could that doesn't even really need a brain free. You could cut its head off, and it'll still chuckle around and you could stick bits of corn down its neck and it'll 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 survive for a little while but imagine being a t-rex you are the master of your world and that's what you that's what evolution did to you it turned you into a chicken but we all have these ideas that t-rex was master somebody pointed out to me the other day they've got massive legs a huge tail and very short front arms what if they hopped around like kangaroos Oh, that would be amazing. Potentially, I heard that those little arms could potentially be wings as well because they've got the same structure on the mm. ends as ostrich. If it flapped, if it flapped, it would sound like a bee because it would be tiny. <laughs> Shall right. we? Dive it's time. Oh, go on, Jerry. Can I do it? Can I do it? Or do you want to do, <laughs> you want to do your sultry tones? No, 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 no. You, you go ahead. Let me just turn my volume down. Okay, everybody, just prepare yourselves here now. We're getting ready. It's time. It's the most important part of the show. It's the bit that we all love. It's the bit that thousands of you congregate around us every single week to see. It is, of course. (laughs) 
There we go. Wow, you've now got to beat that next week. That's going to be yeah. Just bring out a foghorn. Do you know? Like I've got to big him up. I've got to big him up. You know, we've got look. We have a responsibility as a community to reinforce where the innovation comes from. There's no innovation whenever you're already at the top and you're churning out more and more and more and more and more of the same, because what you end up is on a treadmill and you end up on that treadmill uh, churning stuff out to, to, to please the same tastes over and over again. That's perfectly fine. That, 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 that's, that's part and parcel of it, but the treadmill breaks and then it all comes crumbling down, but it's all the other little tiny treadmills that are churning out the innovations, trying to find new things, trying to find new ways, trying to, to, to explore new avenues. And that is what an indie of the week is all about. That exploration of the new, of the weird, of the something different. And the something different this week is Black Hazar, mm. which is all the goodness of Hazars but in a delightful sable color. Ooh. So this is a German company who do French Indian War, Seven Years' War, let's face it, they're practically the same thing, uh, and Napoleonics. Uh, and I first became aware of this when a friend of mine sold off his Napoleonic range to them several years ago uh, because he was going to focus on uh, fantasy with Westphalia. Uh, so you tend to get bits and pieces that are would say less usual mm -hmm. uh, there will still be british and french in there um but when you look at the the seven years war stuff and the napoleonics there they sort of skirt around the edges a bit more and you see things that you wouldn't ordinarily come across uh so the french and indian war has a bit of an overlap with the seven years war in that it was practically the same it started two years earlier than the seven year war did in europe uh, so you've got a lot of these figures will work for both. Um, but they're delightful. I don't know who did all of the sculpting. I think Paul Hicks did some of it. He does tend to have his hand in pretty much everything. <laughs> he, he does. <laughs> he, he does do that. Uh, but we do get to see some very nice figures for that period. So it's it's one of those ones that sort of gets overshadowed by the likes of the American um War of Independence and the let me the, yeah because I just want to double thing. check this now the French and Indian War took place on the continent of America yes yes it started uh, French Indian War was was all about the battle between England France and Spain to a certain extent as well yeah um, in the 1750s about two years into the French Indian War it spilled over into Europe as well so the Seven Years War started in Europe. Um, with the same powers sort of aligned uh, at the, the, the is same this way. during that kind of golden age of piracy kind of era? Um, I can't remember what the golden age of piracy is defined as. This this would be seventeen fifties to seventeen sixties. Um, I I know obviously I there was an the, awful lot of there was an awful lot of of naval battles involved with both, especially in around the Caribbean. So it's entirely possible that that would be. Okay, so the common the common designation, right? It's it's just after uh, the okay, common designation yeah. for the period between sixteen fifties and the seventeen thirties mm. uh, is the is the kind of like the golden age of uh, piracy that took place in around the Caribbean and what whatnot. I I, I suppose I was asking because I I sometimes get get confused on the timeline mm. um, because you know. <laughs> 
there's been a number of wars, hasn't there, between the French and the English and the Spanish and yeah, the, one, and stuff, one, or, so. one or two, mm. one or two. Yeah. So this this is taking place a little bit later. So um, piracy's not well, it's obviously still exists, but it's not it's not such a big romantic thing um, at this point. This is last of the Mohicans, kind of. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. This is period. This, this, yes. this is big woods and mountains, snow, mm. people oh, battling nice. in small squads and fighting over wet, damp log cabins and things like yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> I, I really the, the uh, armed civilian skirmishers are mm, really yeah. good. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. These appear, they appear a couple of times um, because oh. they're, they're, they are generic. You know, they could be used for the yeah. British, they could be used They've for They've all got the very dashing hair. Oh, very nice. oh yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> Windswept and interesting, yeah, yeah. I think is the phrase. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can see the civilian sets just in there again. I think that's one we haven't seen yet. And the officers and leaders for the English. So the um uh the Hujum columns. The the French and Indian Wars part is, is relatively small in comparison to the, the actual set. Gorgeous sculpts. Look at the beauty of the fabrics in them sculpts. Mm. I also like and I presumably this was done because they're a mixture of bees putty and green stuff, I think. So there'd be various colours. On the the these are all the greens before they've been black and white, and nice, they've just yeah. black and white. The, the, <laughs> yeah. So it removes that, and you can just see them. Yes, in, in their uh, in their cool. finery, I suppose, which is an interesting way of doing it. Quite like them as well. The prim and proper English ossifers. Mm -hmm. But they've even got the facial expression correct, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> Where's my tea? Damn it! Yes. <laughs> A swagger stick up his backside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one way of doing it. Um, so, like I say, the, the French and Indian War is probably the smaller of the sections on the site. The Seven Years' War takes that and expands upon it a bit. Now, the uh, Seven Years' War is like World War Zero, isn't it? it it's yes. it, it's effectively like a world war. Yeah. Um, so if if you see. You can actually see the dates there. So 1754 to 1763, the French and Indian Wars. Yes. Two years later, 1756 to 1763, the French, or the Seven Years' oh, War. Yeah. Um, so they both end at the same point when people become sort of bankrupted from all of this. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, a lot of it kicked off because the, um, I think it was the Austrian succession. There'd been a war for Austrian succession in the 40s that had, had floundered and hadn't really been resolved. Uh, so when people started to get apathy again. This was a chance to sort of reignite uh, old wounds and, and finish off these battles that hadn't hadn't been finished. But also, this, this is really cute and probably means nothing to anybody, but those are the designations for infantry and cavalry and the like that you ah. see on military maps. That's yes. Uh, which, which just has, has absolutely no bearing on anything, but touch, I, I, really, yeah. I really like it. Yeah. Um, you well, learn as you prize, man. Yeah. You can learn as you prize. So having a look at people like uh, Friedrich, our, our, our Flugel Lieutenant. F flagellant. <laughs> it seems like the Prussians are the, are the force that they specifically have yeah. in on for this one. Then, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah because uh, there are a lot of companies out there will obviously spend a lot of time doing the, um, the English or British and mm -hmm. French. Yeah. Uh, so the, the smaller people who would get involved – get sort of king sidelined i suppose to a certain extent see there's a willy wonka stick right there oh very much so <laughs> yeah i'll get me one of them i'll get me one of them 
are they all predominantly resin, Jerry, or is there um, a bit of these metal are all, in These there? are all metal castings. Ah. Um, I, th- I think actually predominantly metal. Occasionally you'll have a few resin bits and pieces yeah. um, mm. with the terrain and stuff you'll see later on. Mm. But uh, but they do these, and these I think are some of my favourite pieces in here, um, which are little diorama, little vignette scenes, so enlistment yeah. scene where yeah. you've, you've nice. got you know peasants coming to sign up, uh, being told to make their mark. There's uh, a baker as well somewhere with uh, a set of scales baking the camp bread, and you know, nice for a little vignette or diorama or to actually make a camp if you're if you're playing out games and, and you want to have the, mm-hmm. the camp in the background uh you can do this thing yeah because we get all caught up in in the formations and stuff like that there mm-hmm. when you think about it isn't it nice to add just a little bit of decorative flair um mm-hmm. in terms of little mini dioramas that you just set around just yeah. to add a bit of bit of a, a little bit of life and bre- you know breathing to your yeah to your battles it's why it's why i like artillery crews i I think like so often you see people just put cannons or big guns on the table i love it when someone actually takes the effort to put the crews around it builds it on a slightly bigger scenic base and all that kind of thing builds all the miniatures into it so it looks like a moment in history because i think it adds something a little bit of sort of like flair to the back of your army Uh, especially since they're going to be basically sitting still for most of it you you can really see it in here in the train section where you have well there's the baker uh, at work, uh, camp followers carrying the, the field bread, oven. It's the field oven, yeah. So mm-hmm. you can that's cool. You can have all the kit and caboodle. I mean, they're mm. at a big tra- trough, uh, needing the dough on mass for, brow. for what they want. Almost sawdust in there. <laughs> Bulk it out. People need Come grit on. and fiber. Yeah. And of Very course, cool. some like camp those. followers. Because yeah. you always need. Uh, some ladies on hand to help with cooking. picking up the dead, picking up the dead. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling the teeth. Yeah. Whatever it happens to be. <laughs> um, have a look at the Crasse and Dragoons as well. I'm having flashbacks. I used to paint <sighs> this period of, um, of Brit- well, nice. uh, British redcoats, but uh, for 54 mil for the Irish toy soldier. Museum oh, well. Belfast. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I spend a lot of time doing color parties and the like. Mm. Um, and if so, you think Napoleonic uniform is tricky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one, one thing I've always wondered, right? So mm. dragoons appear across every faction, yes. effectively. What makes a dragoon? Is it their particular armaments and their style of fighting? Or is yeah. It, um, okay. it, it was essentially a um, cavalry regiment who they initially fought as, as mounted infantry. Right, yeah. So they would use the horses to get where they needed to go, and then one in three would dismount and take the other two horses to the rear while the rest fought as, as either a uh, line okay. unit or a skirmisher. Huh. By the time you hit Napoleonics, they've changed. They mostly fought in the saddle, but but initially dragoons were sort of mounted infantry. But uh, you, you'll often see certain certain things like the um, hussars appear in multiple places as well, and they started off as a as a, a national force and okay. then just sort of yeah. people copied them for mm. being fancy light cavalry with uh, all the trimmings because <laughs> people like it does make me wonder about fighting from the saddle hmm. um like is it um all things being equal if you have a really good f- um on foot fighter mm-hmm. and a really good in the saddle fighter does the saddle fighter 
have the Obi-Wan advantage of the high ground? Or does he have the disadvantage of uh, an animal between his legs? Not stable, yeah. Well, well, as we know from... Which is uh, a disadvantage Ben knows all about. Uh, Mr. Furious, eh? (laughs) I think it was Richard Sharp summed it up when uh, he said, you know, if, if somebody's coming at you on a horse then just take the butt of your gun and, and hit the bugger out of the horse's mouth and I guarantee it'll throw the rider. Yeah, so, but th- this know. is what I'm this is what I'm wondering, you know. It's like um, you know what and do you know what, viewers? If you have any insight in this, please comment below because I am curious as to was there after after the charge, I can understand the charge of a horse, right? So horses mm-hmm. charging in could be devastating, right? Because it did run right over you. The, the horse could kill you, for goodness sake. Yeah. But when you get to that stage, is fighting off the back of a horse actually an advantage? Or would you be better just getting the hell out of town and coming, reforming well, and charging if, in again? If it's anything like my time playing Medieval Total War, which makes me an amazing historian, yes. it's that Good. you shouldn't ever leave your cavalry fighting in combat you should charge them in and then go away and come back again yeah. because you are effectively just a massive target at that point and even even if you know you're sitting in the middle of a formation thinking oh i'm safe i'm just killing all the people around me there's an archer 10 meters above you on a hill going oh there's a guy standing above my troops i'll shoot him so you know it's definitely one of those things where i think it, you, you have to do the hit and run thing i think to make it work but, uh, I, I want it's interesting you know because it's something that i would love to see um if it's modeled within the within the rules of war games where mm. the longer um a horse and rider in combat, the more penalized they are in terms of their uh, of their skills yeah, or a, attacks a lot of, or vulnerability. A lot of historic games will have a, a two melee attributes essentially for things, um, generally called something like clash and sustain, or you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cavalry will have a very good clash. They go in hard, and then their sustain drops right off. So once they've been in combat a turn they become less effective. Become really vulnerable. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, other other things like infantry might have a the similar value for clash and s- sustain. They're always as effective uh, even after the charge. Um, so it, it's, it is modeled in, in certain games. Um, the fact that horses won't charge things like pikes, Correct. Which, then, which then became bayonet on rifles and mm-hmm. squares uh, is a, a massive detriment. So you get that thing where Dragoons didn't fight on horseback because they knew they would they wouldn't get the cavalry actually charge in, so they would dismount and then fight. Then that led to the development of things like carabins, so the the smaller rifles because they oh, couldn't yeah. they yeah. couldn't carry a big full on musket. So yeah. They, so it changed the armament they they had, but then over time, then how the dragoons fought, they stayed in the saddle and they, and they because they had the smaller weapons, they could fire from horseback and sort of fire and retreat and. You get every time something happens in warfare that changes how a unit is used, then there's normally a counter to it, and then that changes again how how they use. So, yeah, because I'm thinking, Jerry, right, mm-hmm. that if you took, say, the the red coats from Battle of Waterloo, yeah, and you put them up against Mongols, mm. I think the Mongols could probably hold their own. Uh, because you know the rifles and stuff like that. Yes, they are potent, 
um, they, they have a longer range. But the Mongols, for example, wouldn't be doing a charge in the same way as, for example, the French, where you could form a square mm-hmm. and deter the horses from the, from the actual charge. The Mongols would encircle you and they fire, uh, they're, they're firing fairly hefty bows <laughs> from the back of the, from the back of the horses. So I do wonder if, um, you know, as we progress through the technological upgrades, um, if you suddenly got to a point and said, well, actually, uh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go 500 years earlier and pick these guys out, mm-hmm. drop them into the battle. And then suddenly the technolo- technological upgrades are, are, are kind of new- nerfed a little bit, you know? So I don't know. It's an interesting what if, at least for me anyway. It, it, it comes down then to, I suppose, tactical doctrine. Um, that obviously the Mongols fire and fled, yes. whereas whereas the Redcoats would potentially be more disciplined if they could hold the firing line. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times people try to chase Mongols, and when you start chasing them, then you get strung out, and then they can be picked off. And so it's yeah. I was it, gonna it say, I, I, I've read the title Camel Cannon, and I'm now very upset that there's no image. There, there um, is no image. <laughs> and, and weirdly, I know there is an image out there. Because I seen that camel cannon. It is uh, it is a swivel gun like you would have on that could be mounted on the deck of a small sloop uh, oh, on the wow. back of a of a camel That's that awesome. they would then take a camel across the desert and then I am swivel around name it at people. Utterly gutted. Yeah. Because I was convinced as soon as there was no image for it, the image drew itself in my head. Mm. And it was a camel. Yeah, Oh. With, its, with its front poles, uh, front legs down, and the back end reared up, right. ready to take aim, <laughs> like, like, like a Chinese barking dog. But that's exactly it. Yeah. But it fired dates. <laughs> there's there's a prime example of, of a. That's uh, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had yeah, no. You see, if I if it, if I come raise the back legs. You know, we, we, you could get proper trajectory then. You know. <laughs> I, very soon you could. Uh, but yeah, so so this th- this was one of the big ranges um, that I think went from Westphalia. Wow. Um, kind of fills in the gaps of Napoleonic history that yeah. you don't normally see. Yeah. 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 Um, send people into Afghanistan and watch them all die. That's wow. generally Do you want to know something interesting? Go on. In many ways, Jerry, mm-hmm. my, my little hypothesis there of uh, Mongols versus the Brits or ver- yeah, versus mm-hmm. the Brits. We're going to be doing tomorrow. Yeah, not not a million miles away from it. Yeah, um, I think I was. Well, just like, I don't have any horses from uh, from the Zulus. That is true, so, and I they're think, not Mongols. But aside the, uh, from them not being Mongols and them not having horses. It, it, it's, it's there. It's, yeah. it's there on the map. <laughs> the precursor would be closer. The precursor, the the Battle of Isandwana, yeah. where where the the full Zulu force ruffle stomped over the British. Mm. Um, showed. I, I have a sneaking suspicion it's often referenced as the last time a native army beat a colonial European army with better technology. I think. Mm-hmm. There may have been a, a few other battles during the Zulu War where you know it, it was closer. Maybe there was a bit of sway back and forth, but that was the the last time a native army um, did that. But I, th- I think these are absolutely gorgeous. The, yeah. the Persians and Kurdish. Gary, what's the c- correct term for that hat? Which one? The Persian hat that was just on. I have no idea. The the big the big tall basket yeah. looking thing. It, mm. it may just be another type of fez. I'm sure somebody will tell us because they, they often have specific names like miters or shakos or whatever. But uh, but it's an impressive looking affair. 
On well, the, on the to head. save to save <laughs> <laughs> to save you all from it, I just typed in "big hairy fez." Yes, um, it's a code. And I and I shit you not, I've got a I've got a big screen completely white that says results for big hairy fez are hidden by safe search. Oh, <laughs> mean one second, one second, just pause for a sec. Has he got a big hairy fez? You've offended him. Is he away to get one? <laughs> Welcome back, Ben. No, yes, sorry. <laughs> we thought we thought we'd I'd frightened you off there with my, with my big hairy fez. If yeah. anybody can get Google to actually <laughs> return a result for what a big hairy fez is, we'd be very interested to hear that down in the comments. So, hmm. um, yes, but there is a couple of other things I want to show before we leave uh, mm -hmm. the the world of Black Hazar behind. Yes. Um, because obviously I'm, I'm having a lot of fun just going through the more esoteric parts of the entire army of Jerry's. But the reason I knew Westphalia did a Napoleonic range, and then the reason I knew that they'd been transferred to Black Hazar was because of s some of the figures from the United Kingdom range, uh -huh. um, which I think you will appreciate massively, Warren. So okay. if, I, if I open up the British, and then I would very much like to see our rude Brits and rude Highlanders. <laughs> oh yes! I so, they're great. These so are awesome. So there's a couple of a couple of could be Brit, could be Irish. Could you know you could change up the facings and the shackle badges and stuff, and and have them be whatever force you want to be. Um, but the rude Highlanders. <laughs> I'm right up Main Street. Oh, there we go. Oh. <laughs> back. Now, I'm just saying for people playing Silver Bayonet, if you want to add a little bit more uh, interest and personality to your, yep. your British faction, uh, then what better way to show a bunch of goblins or some vampires exactly what you think of them them with a bunch of it is uh, why those soldiers were taken out of the army and given into the hunters yeah, well, yeah. They, they, they have no fear at all yeah. no fear um th the rest of the uh the british line was relatively small but they did have again a couple of interesting little pieces like the staff officer uh they do a separate coach so you just got nice. him with his orders uh -huh. and a british surgeon oh, that's great i love those yeah uh, a barber surgeon <laughs> and a horse. They're just so expressive, aren't yeah. they? Oh, I love this range. It's... I absolutely love this range. There's, and really there's an interesting point. <laughs> yeah. There's your Willy Wonka hat. You could just build Willy Wonka with this range. You really can. But Jerry, you don't need to do something as big as Waterloo. Uh, no, no. You know, silver bayonet beyond some of the skirmish games really open up some of this to you. Yeah. For, oh, yeah. Oh. With your your wounded soldiers, or perhaps if you're playing something like Silver Bayonet, uh, you may be chasing the post coach, the mail coach, uh -huh. uh, across the board. You just have it going ahead, and you're trying to uh, either ambush it or interrupt it or catch up on it um, while it's being pursued by whatever it happens to be pursued by. <sighs> Maybe it's filled with a holy relic. You need it to off some people, but uh, but yeah, it's a, a stunning range, relatively compact and bijou and. I suppose, niche to both the, the Seven Years' War and the Napoleonics, but with a lot of flavour in there that sort of opens up both Very of them massively. So. Yeah. I am definitely going to dig through that site from a skirmish 
perspective to uh to explore the, the the that whole silver bayonet kind of undead weird kind of napoleonic thing um, because it would be a great way to to sate um your like loads of us have a look at the napoleonics right and a lot of us you you kind of end up with a with a, an ambivalence you really want to have some of them but napoleonics kind of lends itself to everything being rank and file and then you think to yourself oh no way i couldn't get into that because it will take me the rest of my life to to get anywhere with it <laughs> but Games like Silver Bayonet have now opened up the the possibility for you to say, well, actually, I'll get just a few fun bits, and then you can go really in on the characters. I want them Scotsmen. I want them Scotsmen. I, I think them Scotsmen are are devils on, was, on the battlefield. I was going to you know? say that we're going to see you picking up some of those Brits, and we're going to have the advent the silver the silver bayonet colon <laughs> the crack of doom. <laughs> 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 You're just amusing yourself now, Ben, aren't you? Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. Silver bayonet, colon, crack of doom. Love it, man. This is it. You sold, sold. And that, kids, is why we do Indie of the Week. It's time for some news. Coming to you from the center of Northwestern Europe. Covering board games, war games, card games, and all that shit you love. It's the Muck news <laughs> so yeah back with some news uh, we're going to be diving into something uh, just quickly to start things off uh because osprey games uh this week announced that they are going to be adding another game to their awesome undaunted series oh my god i love undaunted it's so mm. good but they're going to be bringing us to stalingrad later this year so they're going to be doing a new boxed expansion for the game also completely standalone just like north africa was uh, that will allow you to play as either the russians the soviets or the germans in the fight for stalingrad so proper sort of enemy at the gates style affairs um they said there's going to be a whole new brand uh, a brand new sort of like narrative campaign built into this mm-hmm. that's going to go over 15 different scenarios um all of them are going to actually sort of link into each other so they're kind of building on the uh, a little bit of the narrative stuff that they built into North Africa in that respect, uh, where you're going to be able to sort of like tell a story and sort of weave a narrative through them all. That doesn't mean that there's any kind of legacy mechanics or anything in there. It's all going to be sort of like just if X wins, then this happens, or if you don't achieve this objective, that will flow into this kind of thing. Uh, but yes, looks very, very cool. Um, as I've talked about previously, I think about Undaunted, I think it's very much a, an awesome World War II miniatures game without the miniatures uh, it's really really fun very good mechanics really nicely sort of illustrated by amazing artists and they've really done like a lot with a small box of stuff um if you've not checked it out before we have a let's play uh, of north africa with free and jerry actually playing the game which is pretty cool and uh, we should have some more stuff in the future coming up for it as well but um there's oh a, my god this is gonna be very cool yeah there's a four-player game has just been mm. filmed um with John, Justin, Shea, and myself in Normandy, um, having a look at the the reinforcements for player rules, uh, which is a really interesting addition. Every time they've iterated it, they've, well, I say changed, tweaked it, tweaked Mm -hmm. it slightly. So North Africa, the vehicle rules in that were very different from Normandy because it was a different sphere in that theater um so you're telling me yeah. that john got really excited about tanks in normandy then uh, john did get very into yeah. about tanks in normandy. John, i didn't know if john would like it because john can be very fussy especially when it's something 
World War Two based. Um, if if it doesn't actually feel like World War Two to him, you know, if it's too much of a pastiche or a, a whatever, but he was actually very much on board for it, uh, and then immediately went, "I wonder if I could replace all the miniatures with like." Or the little desks with micro machines and stuff. But, oh, yeah. good! Fa- good the, the branching, the branching campaign sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be really fun. Um, yeah, some really good stuff. As I say, coming out from Osprey uh, this year, and Undaunted's uh, an, an awesome one to go for. If you so, do get the the reinforcements pack, by the way, it comes with like neat stuff in it, so you can pack everything into it, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. So you know, that's a pretty good reason to buy all three of them, I guess. But so on a scale of one to ten for our viewers, right? Yes, and I'm I'm, I'm going to bundle everybody together, whether they are war gamers, board gamers, card gamers, uh, or whatever. So take into the the, the case the median line there mm-hmm. on a scale of one to ten. How likely are you to recommend that they try a game of Undaunted? I would say eight out of ten that they should try it. Nice. It was that it's got really good card play in it. Yes. It's got very good sort of board gamey style mechanics in there. Mm-hmm. The dice that's in there sort of throws a random sort of element of well, randomness into the mix, which means that it's it's down to skill and placement of troops, but also the luck of the dice. Uh, and then it also sort of fulfills that kind of moving chips or miniatures around on a board scape or on a on a on, a, on terrain effectively fighting for control of things and fighting over for objectives. So it's I suppose my experience. second question then is for um for our wargaming community, um uh, is it a good break from wargaming to have something just simpler, very small, self contained as I a board would say game? So as well. Yeah. yeah. I say for yeah. our board gaming community, is it a decent introduction uh for steps yes, on the way well. to wargaming? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Frick free sure. played it, and she'd not done much. What well, I assume you've probably not done any World War Two war gaming at all. No, not really. So this was quite nice for you. I this was a really nice change for me because he said he's had all the usual board game mechanics, but into a completely different setting that I normally wouldn't touch. And I had such fun playing it, even though I did get a bit bad by Jerry. But I had fun. <laughs> he's evil. I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cute and cuddly. No, it's, it's, I, but it, it sits between those three. I mean, yeah. the the whole idea is it's a deck building, drafting game, that also happens to be a World War Two war game, and and every scenario is a specific, you know, part of a, a campaign in a theater. So you can you, you can follow the the troops through Normandy or the the long range desert group in North Africa as they they do their hit and run tactics, and presumably Stalingrad will be something similar around there so you get a very good overview of a a theater and a style of warfare if you're interested in in the the military aspect and then the board game it it does come down to you know a troop movement and placement game uh, on the tabletop so how you deploy your trips and how you move them uh the fact that there is a scouting mechanic in the game you cannot push trips forward if you haven't scouted the area first ah um so it, it brings all three of those together very nicely uh, i'm not a huge card game fan uh I, it wouldn't be something i've massively dabbled into but i really enjoy the draft mechanics and, and how they make a feature of the game because the, it's both your scouting your fog of war uh the 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 friction the health as well of the troops so if you don't have the cards in your hand when a unit on the table gets destroyed then the counter gets removed but then you can bring more reinforcements back in through the drafting later on but they have to come back from where your forces were starting from all of this sort of lends itself part and parcel to Mm -hmm. so it's net i'd go so far as say i i would i would go 10 out of 10 um regardless of what what way you're coming at the hobby from 
it's it's a really cheap introduction to all three of those type of games, yeah. games, board games and <laughs> card games, and okay. will sit happily on your shelf. And with reinforcements, the fact that it opened up from a two-player to a solo and yeah, yeah. four-player yes. game means mm. you can quite happily replay over and over again uh, in any way, shape, or form you want and see how it, mm-hmm. how it plays out. Happy yeah. days. What's next? Uh, so next up, uh, we're going to the realms of fantasy. Uh, and this is uh, looking at Freebooter Miniatures and their very awesome game that is always sort of like chugged along in the background or sailed along in the background, I guess you'd say, mm. for, uh, uh, of wargaming for the past sort of, I guess you'd say, decade maybe. Oh, easy. Um, yeah. It's been at salute since we've started going to it, I think, mm-hmm. was the thing. Um, but uh, it should be noted that the rules are now free for you to download in both English and German. So if you nice. want to head on over and get your hands on the rules, a whole bunch of scenarios, lots of the little sort of like magazines that they do as well, all that's being sort of worked into the mix so that everyone can dive in and give this game a go for free. Uh, this also came alongside uh, the latest releases for January as well. Um, so you've got a whole bunch of stuff for the different crews. You had the rape, the Wailing Woman that you saw at the top. You've got Sophia, the Herer, Le Lut, and then Modit and Escu- es- Asquereros. Fuegos. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to call him Travis Beckle. <laughs> He's one step away from um, tracking but, down Jodie Foster. Yeah, the other one has a striking resemblance to my mother-in-law. <laughs> well, you know, maybe they're part of pirate crews. Who knows? But, and um, that's not that, that's not me digging through a 1970s joke. I, I'm being genuine there. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, this range has been around for a while, and it always provides these really evocative and interesting and different miniatures. The, the kind of theme of Freebooters' fate has always been sort of like fantasy pirates, mm. but they've always tried something a little bit different and sort of played around with it a little mm. bit more. Like you have little goblin crews and everything running mm-hmm. around in the swamps. You have these slightly more sort of more fantasy than piratical sort of elements thrown into it as well with all the members of the different cults and all that kind of thing as, uh, at the same time. Um they even do sort of little, little spin-off games as well, like this little game where you play sort of football but with cannonballs, which is pretty awesome. Nice. Uh, so, th- like, if you've not heard of Freebooters Fate before, this is a perfectly good opportunity to dive in and give it a go and see what you yeah. think of it. It's very, very good. It's been around for a very long time. It's a little bit like uh, GCT. Oh, there you go. Gary's uh, showing if, off on it. <laughs> if you're unaware of the spiritual leader of the cult of games, Sean Connery, uh, this is a Freebooters <laughs> Fate model based on... Go. Uh, Highlander, the yeah. peacock cloak wearing Ramirez. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. It, there's a, a wealth of miniatures Very in there so. from, and yeah. I think they're all sculpted by Werner Clark. I don't think. Uh, uh, I think so. Some of the some of the more recent ones have been sculpted by a different selection. Right. Um, but all um, you have to know is if you haven't checked out Werner's work, Werner is a legend mm-hmm. in our industry, an absolute legend. Yeah. So go and check him out. Yeah, so for example, like most of it is, but there's also, I think it's Justina Bien, Bien has done them, and Israel Delgado Laborda has also done them. Mm. Oh, I did mo- much oh. better with that name. You did well with but that there one. There we yeah. go. Oh, um, Ben, yes. I, you know, I, for a moment there, I felt like Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> I just <laughs> wanted to wrap myself around. Oh, oh, go on, keep, keep, keep with the voice. Whispering oh. my ear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Make sure to go and check it out. It's one of those really awesome sort of like underground games, a little bit like sort of Bushido and that kind of thing that you definitely want to go and have a look at. It's very cool. But yeah. Nice. Who's taking us next? <gasps> 
Hey, and the TARDIS is broken, guys. So oh, no. The TARDIS is broken. There's a brand new Doctor Who title making way to the tabletops this year. So following on from the previous Doctor Who release at Gale Force 9, we had Time of the Daleks. We're going to be going with the 11th Doctor and companions in a new adventure, escaping from the Weeping Angels with Doctor Who. Don't blink. So making your way through a storyline in hopes to collect missing items to fix the TARDIS. Two to five players are going to head to an abandoned spaceship in an attempt to fix their escape route before they come prey to the Weeping Angels, okay? So there are a good selection of characters to choose from when you start. So you've got the 11th Doctor, you've got Amy, Rora, Rora? Rora, that was Rory and Clara together. So <laughs> you get Rory or Clara. Um, but one player in particular... They're going to have some stabby, stabby, stabby skills because they're going to take the role as the weeping angels. Very nice. And they're not going to make it easy for you either. So they're going to be outwitting and outsmarting each time a player gets out of their gates, stop their opponents from escaping, and their face it wish to see the doctor and the companions in a random time and space throughout history. In all fairness, I don't think there is. Um, worst way to go really so <laughs> merciful death in my opinion but don't blink is going to be released this april so it's proved to cost about 30 bucks in the us there's no price of how much it's going to be here just yet but i presume gale force nine are going to let us know real soon considering it's out in a couple of months but remember mm. don't blink do not blink. an 11th doctor that's tenant isn't it uh tenant no it's Matt Smith. Oh, it's Matt Smith's his 11th Doctor. Mm-hmm. So that means that my favourite Doctor wasn't the 10th tenth, wasn't the 10th Doctor either. That was Tennant. Was he Tennant? Tennant was 10. Right. Eccleston was the one before that. Yeah. He's nine. Yeah. So Doctor Nine is my favourite Doctor. <laughs> believe nine. It or not. I must be I must be in the minority there. Obviously, I, I have a soft spot for Tom Baker, mm. having grown up with Tom Baker. But let's face it, it was naff. In a nice way, but it was naff. <clears throat> Eccleson was my my favorite of all the doctors. I quite like the dude that did that thirteenth doctor that was uh, that was kind of like badass, but still liked Eccleson. There, Tennant's my favorite. I do Tenet's like Tennant. Yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody would would, would well, most would agree. I would I would have thought. <laughs> I just thought Eccleson brought a grittiness to it. Yeah, and. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked Billy Piper in it. I thought she was Billy wonderful. Was also she was great in it, yeah. I thought she was wonderful as Rose. Mm-hmm. Because she wants to. Because she wants to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm really liking the sound of Don't Blink. I, I think the Weeping Angels are very, very cool. Uh, yeah. And so it's awesome to see them sort of being built into a game. It'll be really interesting to see what it work, how it works mechanically in that respect. Because I assume you're going to have to try and keep sort of like lines of sight. And it looked like there was some interesting ways that the kind of corridors and rooms were laid out on the board there. So it'd be cool to see how that works and sort of um, how the, the the player playing as the Weeping Angels can kind of like make use of where their opponents are and stuff as well. Sounds it's just, fun. it reminds me of something we were talking about last week, especially when we were saying about approaching a game that has no death in it. Mm. This, not necessarily, not necessarily, Weeping Angels aren't going to kill you. They're just going to remove you to a different Teleport you time. into nowhere, yeah. Although that is a death in due time. Um, <laughs> it is a, it's quite a nice soapbox yeah. to just end the game cool. with you. Interesting. Nice. These are the ones they only move if people aren't looking. Is that it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm down with the kids. Right, what's next? Uh, so next up, uh, we're doing something a little bit sort of old school, but also new in a way. Um, so Risk 
uh, from Avalon Hill and Hasbro is going to be returning to the tabletop this year with a new spin on it. Uh, so a lot of people will remember Risk Legacy. I know it's yes. a favourite of um, of us. We've played it before. We've used it when we've been travelling and all that kind of thing as well. Uh, so this is Risk Shadow Forces. Now, Risk Shadow Forces takes a lot of the elements that sort of were built into Risk Legacy in that respect, where you have uh, sort of a board that you will build and change over time. The other thing that's really cool about this is that it also includes asymmetrical factions so each of the different factions in the game will all have their own special powers and abilities and the ways that they interact with each other. And on top of that, you'll be then able to build and change your army as you go through, sort of adding in new elements and stuff and choosing from A or B in order to sort of like level up and that kind of thing. You also then have warlords who are sort of like pictured on the front cover there as well, which are uh, sort of characters that are the sort of iconic members of your particular faction. And they will take part in not only the larger battles, as you can see here, fighting for control of a global sort of map, um, very similar to you know normal risk, mm. but also as part of a side game that also is played alongside this, where you actually play a more skirmishy squad-based affair with your models on separate boards. So you can have little fights going on between your warlords using their special abilities, fighting for control of resources and that kind of thing, alongside playing out these larger mass battles across the globe at nice. the same time and changing the fate and the themes of the sort of story as it goes. In addition to that, they've taken some cues from um, sort of pandemic legacy and that kind of thing as well, in that as things go, you will start to effectively build your own version of Risk, a little bit like Risk Legacy as well and that kind of thing. And you'll be like um, unlocking sealed envelopes, um, finding new things that will appear and sort of like affect the game of risk, uh, changing up the rules and that kind of stuff as well. The heart of it is still the basic game of risk that you will you will know, but they've sort of thrown up a whole bunch of extra stuff in here, I think, which is, kind of makes this very intriguing. Like I actually quite like Risk Legacy. I thought it was a good spin on things. And I think weirdly enough, of many of the different um, sort of diff, um, variations on risk. I actually thought one of 40,000 risks was actually pretty good as well. They did some interesting things there, um, but this should be sort of like taking things in a different direction, borrowing from a lot of different games as well at the same time uh, to potentially create a, a sort of new take on the game uh, for this year. It was well, very interesting. So risk legacy um, I thought was, uh, was fab. I thought that was a great innovation. Um, this is Oh, what? why, what? Warren? Well, this brings me excitement, a change in risk, you know, I, I, something I'm, different. I'm looking at it and I think it's, this This looks like garbage to me. <laughs> How do I put this? Okay, look, look, look. last <laughs> night I made a paella. Right. Okay. And I went around my kitchen and I gathered up every bit of crap that I could find in the kitchen. I chucked it all into that paella and I thought it looked great, but my kids won't eat it. <laughs> This, to me, looks like they are desperately trying to find something new in Risk, but they lose the balance of what is actually a very, very good game. Risk in itself, like, look, Risk, is, risk has its place in the world, okay? And there's no point in pretending Risk is something that it's not. But what Risk does is it does very, very well, okay? and. This, uh, the, the, looking at this, this is a mess. You have. I think you're being very harsh. Yeah. <laughs> miniatures at different scales. Yeah. 
right? You, 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 uh, oh, 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 it's not skirmishy enough. Oh, let's add skirmish to risk. Well, how do we do that? Oh, we can't do it on the board. Let's add more boards. So yeah, we'll put skirmishes just, and stuff to the side. And, and they're and, played as separate games along, and then you move over to play the larger sort of global stuff at the same time. So you've got lots of different ways to approach it and tell that story. I think it, it feels shoehorned to me. I don't know. Look, everybody's fun is different. I, I know that. Um, but on this occasion, I'm looking at this and uh, the whole thing just feels like a giant misfire to me. Potentially. Well, I guess we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. We'll see. I'm hoping I'm wrong. We'll and, you know, when I get a chance to play it, I, I really hope I'm wrong. So as I'm not feeling like I'm wasting my time, but <laughs> when I'm looking at it and I'm going, mm, it's not, there's nothing, you know, it's all over the place from, from what I can see, from what I can see. It'll come down to the interaction between this and the main map. Because mm. Risk is not a Risk is not a quick game that you no. play through and fire out. So if every time you're not doing something on this map because you're doing something over here on these ones, is that going to double the length of gameplay, triple it? Um, the interaction between this needs to be fairly seamless. Mm. And the fact that you know, even even the sense of scale from a uh, from a geopolitical basis jerry hmm. risk is a global battle right L let me give you an analogy this is like having world war ii with all your armaments and stuff like that they're all around the face and saying aha but we also got hitler stalin and churchill in their room to knock <laughs> out of each other as well <laughs> Makes sense. I don't think you should put anybody you know should put them in a row. No. What, what could what could possibly happen in a skirmish that is that will, that realistically affect, going yeah, to yeah. affect a geopolitical game like Risk? I, I I I'm making assumptions here, but I would assume that there's going to be sort of certain elements of those objectives and sort of intel and things that you'll pick up that will then unlock certain things that you can use in the main game and all that kind of thing. I I I, I am well. I sound excited for this. I'm cautiously excited because it's not this. But uh, you were excited for this. Uh, but, but now, now you're saying all these things. But anyway, but, uh, but I'm very eager to give it a go because I like yeah. the idea that they're sort of building on this basis and I agree, borrowing from the games that effectively moved the thing, move things on um, when it came to sort of legacy mechanics and that kind of thing. I'll be interested to see what they do because obviously Risk Legacy is great. I'd just be interested to see what they do. Kind of I'm a huge, I'm that, a huge so. fan of Risk. I, I think Risk is a great game. Uh, at its core, it does what it does. Um, and, you know, I, I've had some great games of Risk, you know, where it's been back and forth and, you know, yeah, you always try to take Australia. But it's like, <laughs> but I have had some great games of Risk. But this for me... I don't know. Look, I hope I'm wrong. I'm definitely willing to give it a to give it a chance. Maybe they have unlocked a mechanic that completely that, that completely rejuvenates the uh, the whole thing, um, the way Legacy did. Um, so maybe they've cracked it. Maybe they've cracked it. But on the surface, from a very shallow perspective, having this is the first time I've seen it. Have what I'm looking at. I'm going it's oh. because they've stuck the world map there. If this was Risk Warriors. Come out and play. And it wasn't the map of the world. It was 
New York split into yeah. different sections and you're trying yes, to... Yes, if it was more localized, Jerry, yes. You're trying to, I, I, you're trying to I, control areas of New York. Your gang wants to be the biggest. And then there's little skirmishes would mean something because you're not dealing yeah. with massive overarching thing. You're getting, you know, a group of people in a room to tag a, a tube station or, or stab up uh, somebody else. Heck, it Master could even work as... Uh, what was the battle at the end of Rogue One? The battle of... Scarif? Scarif, yeah. Yeah, the Battle of Scarif. There's a, there's, a, there's a prime example there where you have small skirmishers trying to achieve objectives that will have a genuine impact um, mm. on, on a... But, but it's a self-contained battle. Do you know what I mean? It, I it, understand. It just feels... I'm with you, Jerry, I think you're right. I think if, they, if it connected tighter, but hey, I could be completely wrong. I could be completely wrong. Type and time. that's the beauty of board games. <laughs> You get to you get to be surprised sometimes. So I'm often surprised. <laughs> I found a copy of Risk in the roof loft last week, <gasps> and I didn't even realise I'd bought a copy of Risk. I, d- I don't think you even know half the stuff. No, I don't there, really. <laughs> they're all they're all presents from drunk past me. Who right, who's me? next? <laughs> me. I'm quite keen on horror horror tabletop games. So the reason why I'm quite keen on horror tabletop games is because I've got control of what happens when it comes to horror movies. I just tend to sit there like that and watch the whole thing with my eyes shut. But I've been keeping on a horror board game that should be heading over to retail over here in the UK really soon. So players are put into the pitch black darkness in the form of lost souls in hope to escape doom before mm. the fearsome waxing is get them and the flicker of their candle goes out. So whether you want to go alone or four other players, everybody's going to be faced with a tile-laying labyrinth, okay, in hopes to find some keys to get out. It's a really dark maze, and mm. players are going to need to utilise their candlelight to go forward. But hidden in the darkness are some really petrifying wax eaters, They don't want you to leave. They don't want you to get out. But luckily for you, they don't like the light too much. So they must have had some bad experiences with sunburn or something like that. But they don't like So keeping still under the candlelight is probably your best bet, but you do want to get out. So you're going to guide yourself through a maze with aid of the flickering candle with a little bit of vision ahead. But the candle's got a limited amount of time, meaning... You could get stuck. And by the way, you don't just need one key. Every player that's in the game has to track down all of their own keys for the whole group to oh. escape. So that is quite terrifying. So depending on how many of you are looking to escape, uh, it can take roughly about an hour to play. Um, but as I said, the winning goal is to find all of the keys, not just one. Are we a wider shot of the, the game, Jerry? If you click on the link at the bottom of the news article, there's sure. a yeah. false... Uh, image of the game there so so you're gonna want to you are gonna want to draw up your tactics this one but uh mm-hmm. the, the, the pre-order is online uh on the flds uh, you can find it online at the moment it is out um it was supposed to come out the end of last year but it's out on the us at the minute so i yeah. am hoping uh we see it it's all up on pre-orders on the uk websites at the moment and loads of and were those little metal it. minis replacements for the, the colored maples they're your wax eaters they're your demons they're the evil creatures so they're the evil creatures and then you're the maples yeah Right. It reminds me. It reminds me very much of a very good game that came out. I think it was 2017 called Subterra, which was all about laying tiles, mm-hmm. and you had yeah. to sort of work your way out through the um, 
uh, through like a cavern, effectively. But I really like the this creepy nature of things where you've got that kind of the, the candlelight. And I like the, that thing of as you move, obviously that changes the way the tiles are laid out. So as you move yep. away from things, you've only got this little tiny area that you can actually see in. So the yep. path disappears behind you and all that kind of thing. It's very creepy, very eerie. And Smirk and Dagger do some really fun little things. So this one seems like a very good one to check out. Sure. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Um, what's next? Uh, next up, uh, we're going to uh, a little dive to a little bit of modern warfare. Uh, in fact, Whoa. maybe a little bit too close to home, I guess. But, but uh, white dragon miniatures. Uh, you may remember them of doing like some really awesome sci-fi stuff back in the day. Yes. Where they did these really cool like star fighters and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I still love those ships with all my heart. But. They have sort of moved in the direction now of doing modern warfare troopers, and their latest set of releases are for a couple of Russian patrols that you can use <gasps> for modern warfare games. Oh, nice. yes. Yeah. So all of these miniatures uh, are incredibly nice resin sculpts. They are all uh, incredibly high detail, as you can see here. They come with a couple of different options for them. So whenever you go to buy these, you can buy them in 28 mil or you can buy them in 20 mil, which I'm sure will make a lot of people very happy. Mm-hmm. And then you can choose the different heads as well. So you can either have them with the goggles up on the top of their helmets, goggles over their eyes, or just with the complete bare heads and all that kind of thing as well, which is pretty awesome. Uh, the first of the squads comes with a commander, a medic, a rifleman, and a machine gunner. And then the second squad comes with... Um, a rifleman, a grenade launcher, uh, user, an RPG, and then one of his crewmates who's also carrying an RPG at the same time as well. Um, this is going to be the start of a much larger collection for the Russians, a little bit like what they've done with some of their previous stuff as well for the Brits, the insurgents, the Taliban, uh, and also the Israeli Defense Force as well. Um, but they're kind of really building on this range, giving us effectively all the kind of um, core troops that you would get for a lot of these different forces. It's a little bit different from kind of what Spectre do, where Spectre kind of make the specialists that mm. do all the special operations stuff. White Dragon have sort of turned their attention to effectively making the, um, as I say, the rank and file of these armies that go out and fight in these different locations across the world. So you, you can use these in sort of conflicts in Eastern Europe. in The, the center East. mass. It, yeah. Mm. <laughs> So there's a really fun stuff uh, that they've been working on. There's also a link to their website if you just want to quickly yep. gaze over that, Jerry. I saw a post on Facebook actually from um, the uh, from uh, White Dragon Miniatures um, uh, asking for suggestions of um, people to review these minis. Pick me! Pick me! Weirdly enough, Warren, they already on. they already have picked us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Pick me! <laughs> I want Aaron to try them, Jerry. The, the the main question here is right, mm-hmm. and uh, and since Ben mentioned it, it's all I can it's all I can think about. Yes, would you go twenty eight mil or would you go twenty mil on these? <clears throat> Probably twenty eight. You'd go twenty eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly because I could use them with Delta One Zero Very behind true. me, because yeah. um, I've already got some modern minis. In there on specialists and stuff, so having some more sort of uh, generic uh, rank and file, I suppose, to chuck in there uh, would be interesting. Yeah. But there's not to be said for twenty, mind you, being mm-hmm. able to actually go bigger. I suppose. I tell you what, I tell you what, if if they if they if they've picked you guys, mm. yeah, mm. they can do twenty eight mil. But pick me. <laughs> 
Pick me and I will do 20 mil. I want to I want to experiment with 20 mil. I'm sure if we let White I, Dragon know they do they give us some of each, I think. So yeah, Okay. But please pick me. I want to do 20 mil. I uh, look, I took my modern warfare to 15 mil. You did, yeah. And loved it because it gave it just gave more scale. The, here's the thing about modern warfare free, right? Right. Basically, whenever you get to moderns, weapons don't really have ranges anymore, right? True. <laughs> so you know, uh, so it really is. Uh, it really is an effect of you can when you start to come down the scale down to fifteen mil, mm-hmm. you really get the feel of your kind of like uh, combined. What's it called? Combined action or combined, combined arms? Combined, combined arms, arms, where multiple teams are progressing to try and complete a mission because a mission can't be completed just by one team on its own. Yeah. So you would have multiple Delta and, uh, and the other great thing when you go start to go to like 15 mil and whatever, is you can even start to think in terms of insertion, you know, of, of the, the, the helicopters coming in, you know, and then coming out of the helicopters, that's difficult to do at 28 mil. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that to me is that's the picture in my head. That's that's what I see when I think modern warfare. I'm thinking guys fast repelling down from choppers onto the building tops and 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 Humvees, you know, a convoy of Humvees moving up, and then the guys getting out, and then maybe a middle Humvee gets blown up, and then the guys behind it are all. So this is what I think. So, so, but the thing about fifteen mil is. It is fifteen mil. You lack a little bit of you lack a little bit of the the wow factor of the poser scale that you would get with twenty eight mil. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, would twenty mil give me the best of both worlds? Could I be both a poser and oh, a brilliant poser? At twenty mil. That is fair. I don't often flex on this show. But pick me! <laughs> <laughs> we'll email White Dragon again. <laughs> On the condition, though, that somebody paints them for me. That's too shaky. Okay. Lovely looking stuff. <laughs> Definitely interested. We'll have to, go, we'll, we'll have to cycle back around mm. um, uh, to White Dragon. Um, maybe as an indie of the week, Jerry? Done them already. I've already done them. <sighs> <sighs> I've missed so much. At some point, we're going to have to revisit some because we have yes. done quite a lot at this point. But so okay, <laughs> maybe your well, wish will be granted. I am looking forward to seeing it and uh, looking forward to to yeah to really digging into them and see because yeah. the sculpts are beautiful. I lo- I love the sculpts because they're clean. They're they're clean cut. There's just not they're not too busy, and yeah, I really like that. What's next? Uh, so we finish off with some Games Workshop news, talking about the pre-orders coming up for this weekend. So if you missed out on Octarius and that larger box set, there are still some of them floating around, including on our web store. Mm. Uh, there are also going to be some new options in starter set form for people diving into Kill Team. There's going to be the new starter set, which is cut down. Effectively, it kind of just removes the um, the, the harder board and the larger pieces of terrain. You still get pretty much everything else that you would have got in the initial set for Octarius, just without the big, huge modular pieces in, in this one. Um, you're also going to be able to buy each of the uh, kill teams individually as well for the first time. So if you missed out on the Death Corps of the Krieg, the veteran guardsmen, you can now pick up those separately. 
Lloyd is already booking in two of these. <laughs> uh, there is also the set of Orc Commanders as well. So if you didn't get those, then you can now pick up those separately. All very characterful, all looking very cool. There's even an mm-hmm. SAS Goblin in there as well, which is amazing. So <laughs> There he is. It could be SBS. It could be true, yeah. yeah. And then he could Ready go to raid the, the Goblinian well. Embassy. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, so, yeah, if you missed out on the Kill Team stuff, there are going to be new models, that new starter set. There's also going to be a new book released as well, uh, in addition to this terrain set. So I'll, I'll get to the book in a second. So the terrain set here basically gives you everything that was available in the Octarius set, but without any of the miniatures. So if you wanted to just pick up the terrain just to use 40K or something, then this is probably the box to go and look at. Mm-hmm. When it comes to terrain from those workshops, they're usually actually pretty reasonably priced when it comes to their boxes. Uh, their miniatures for their units and stuff are obviously fairly expensive. Uh, but uh, a lot of their terrain kits are actually pretty good value for money. So if you're interested to get yourself basically get all the terrain you'd need for a reasonable size board for 40K, starting around to like the combat patrol level, mm-hmm. this is pretty good for that. Um, there is also going to be a book that's coming out, which collects together the rules for the veteran guardsmen and the uh, orc commandos, as well as a few other bits and pieces in there as well. So there's going to be like a full campaign to run through in there if you yes. want to go in and play that out. Um, so it's just another option for those people that maybe have dived into Kill Team and picked up alternative bits and pieces rather than the guardsmen and the orc commandos. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in Kill Team, all that's going to be available to pre-order tomorrow. So you've got to go check that out on Stud on Tabletop. Ooh. We also got to look at some new fancy stuff in the future, mainly for Ben's bank account. And this <laughs> is the addition of some more Eldari for the uh, craft world in um, one forty thousand. We are finally getting, thank God, new plastic dark reapers. <laughs> and I got to say, as much as people have moaned about these miniatures online. I think they look awesome. I think they have managed to bring together the old school look of the Dark Reapers from first edition and then added on some of that sort of new flair and look that we got from sort of like later kits at the same time. Everyone has been talking about their weird skull faces and saying that they're just going to get rid of that and just cover them as like blank, blank sort of like um, spirit seer almost style faces. I'm like, Keep the goofy, weird skull face. It looks really fun and awesome and different. I think Are these Dark Eldar? No. The, so that is a that particular model has been done to match the Yanari, who are a different faction within the Eldar. Of course they are. Which have so you've got the Eldar, which are the um, uh, the Eldari, and you've got the Drukari, who are the Dark Eldar. Sure. The Yanari are the ones in the middle who are trying to resurrect their own sort of like past died god effectively that's kind of got some slanishy things going on in there so they're kind of like the lukewarm water between the fire and the ice basically yeah. they're yeah. trollish they're the ones <laughs> who haven't chosen the side because they're on the fence yeah they're those kind of people um if i was diving into this set i would and i'm probably this is probably going to be something that's going to be all over bit sites in the near future i want all of them to wear those hoods i think those hoods with the masks i think looks really cool and an entire red squad of those done as dark reapers i think would look amazing uh but you know horses one, for courses one step away from cat ears there yeah exactly yeah. john's gonna love these yeah uh i've, I've been reliably informed that apparently they're range finders i don't know yes. why they're not built yeah. into the helmets but but yeah, they are built into go. their hamlets. They're just, just on the side. Just yeah. going through the hood. Yeah, it's got a really of it. kind of like a cheap green goblin kind of look going to it, which is, yeah. yeah. Just think that- of it like the um, the rangefinders that they used to use for artillery in World War II. Oh, so yeah, they would true. periscope yeah. out left yeah. and right so that you could triangulate, you could yeah. range it. Think of it that yeah. way. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> why uh, some creatures have bigger ears so that they can triangulate. Yeah. I'm also going to say as well, like when you look at those particular miniatures there in that shot, they look exactly like the old sketches from sort of like first and second edition of like Eldar and how mm. they came to be. So, you know, people were going to moan if they were different. People were going to moan if they stayed the same. Uh, everyone's got their own opinions on these. I like them. I'm going to add them to my army. There we go. Done. Dusted. Sorted. I don't care what you think. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of like the scarecrow look that they've got going on. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, sorry. you could cut the weather veins off. You um, could do, the, yeah. the last edition, the last version of them had them, but the previous one didn't. They only had yeah. them on the Exarch. Yeah. Yes, the Exarch just, had them. And, then and the, the rest didn't. They were just pure skull helmets. The, <laughs> the heads aren't the most offensive thing for me. It's these loincloths seem very blocky, chunky, and very thick, mm. uh, including all the ridges down them. The one you could see from the side on was particularly egregious. I mean, that just looks very static. It's a, a chunk of tire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, just, a chunk of tank track. Must have been in to the, recreate that, clearly. That's it must the, have been in yeah. the video. Yeah. Because that, that I thought, was was worse. I, I do get what, you see, me, what you're saying yeah, there. there. When, actually, when this, when this yeah. comes side on, look how thick this is between the legs. That is quite thick. And, and I actually, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's <laughs> I must say, I do prefer the original sort of loincloth design that they had on the older models. Yeah. I think that does look better. But um, I mean, it's just that. That just looks like a slab. It's like somebody I think has I've gone, just found my next recording for my soundboard. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for that, the rest of the model isn't bad. The rest of the model is an Eldar with a big gun, which is what you want in life. Yeah. But it's Absolutely. That. That's, all that. That's all I need. There we go. I think you could do a really nice the one with the cat ears. You could do a really nice the uh, skull at the front could look really good, darkened out with neon I, at the front. I, I am, I am, I am waiting for someone to do them in uh, sort of bubblegum blue, pink, and white, and do them as Hello Kitty Elder. Oh yeah, imagine, uh, yeah, of imagine that's right on its way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, right. I think it's time to explore what we're going to be doing on our printers. So 3D printer, I'm excited to see what we have, peeps. Yeah. Ooh. Well, this is an unusual one. Uh, I was sent it by a friend who was getting very in-depth in axiotls uh, and, and, and the links. Uh, yeah. And I went, oh, you should see this. And I went, oh, that's that's amazing. So I threw the link in there. And then Free went, oh, yeah, I'm on the Patreon already. Mm -hmm. um, so it's Cobra mode, the best kind of mode. You do like the, 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 the thigh slapping and... Exactly what would happen. I would free can, uh, but they are primarily, uh, I would say, exclusively actually fantasy based. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So they do have a patron. Uh, free may be able to tell us more about this. Mm -hmm. the world of their the patron. Yes, they have got their own Patreon. They do. There is a lot of character miniatures. So you've got stuff from as you can see there you have little tiny axolotl people mm -hmm. you have a hippopotamus platypus 
<laughs> you have got all things you didn't know okay. you needed. Uh, mushroom warriors, as well as that, is one thing that I really love about Cobra Mode is their bases. Their bases are really interesting. Uh, I, I ended up uh, back in Cobra Mode on Patreon for their bases and their mm-hmm. terrain alone because it's just it very much this aesthetic you see is very much embedded into there, I, right? I really like it. like root people. It's mm. kind of real. Yeah, it's very different take on druids and dryads and yeah. the like. Um, yeah. And this is this is the thing when I started flicking through it. So it's um it's a husband and wife team. Oh, so, okay. So the husband does the sculpting. Mr. Cobra and Mrs. Mode. Yeah. Um, so, so I believe his name's Aaron. He does the sculpting. And then uh, his his wife is I want to say Andrea. Uh, she would do like the, the oh, business nice. side, but also some of the concepting and bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, but every month is a um, collection around a, a specific thing. But you get a set of miniatures, a set of bases, a what they call plop terrain, a big piece of scatter that mm-hmm. is themed in with it, and also the stats for five E. Uh, so okay. you know. Uh, unusual. It's not the first time we've seen a snail. That is adorable. Vendor. Oh, it's beautiful. They've got a, yeah, it's did, it's stunning. Did, did it's, you see? It, it, it's been a slow day at work today. <laughs> did you see the, uh, the, did a Christmas version of that that had a Christmas tree on its back? Oh, instead of, that's instead awesome. Of all the other stuff. I like that. Yeah. But uh, the, the YouTube channel, I think, warrior. shut it off. Yeah. Oh. It's part moth, part fawn. Um, Looks like it. Yeah. And it might be because I've spent, uh, well, this is what got the link sent to me originally. These guys. Yeah, Yeah, they're great. Winner. Yeah, the axolotl. There's (laughs) loads of different axolotls there doing many a different thing. Uh, They're so adorable. They really are. The Japanese feel to it, uh, including a big uh, oni sort Mm. of style. Uh, And they have this very, it's a, a mixture of, whimsical and frightening mm-hmm. it might be because i've been going back reaching into the the past for dark crystal like recently and, and a lot of brian froud's <laughs> goblin illustrations and the weird stuff that they did for labyrinth uh between henson and froud that when you see some of the more outlandish um i suppose creatures more mm. more than the the actual <gasps> yeah. um uh, the small axolotl, the cutesy things, but when you're looking yeah. at some some of these weird and wacky creatures, and you're going, that could have come straight out of the mind of of Froud. The the little tiny fish people that um, are particularly gorgeous. There's one that's got like a, an oyster clam helmet or <laughs> on where it's it's like top yeah. and bottom. Uh, but that Domos Samore, very yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, at no point will I pronounce any of the names because they're all made up <laughs> and baffling to me. As to how yeah. they're pronounced, the but, um, the 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 kind of strange um, druidic gonna... creatures that we saw, <laughs> they're like little murlocs on like acid. I love those. Yeah, yeah. The, they they're kind of like twisted druidic creatures yes. that we saw. Yep. They're very they really reminded me of the style of um, monster creatures in. Uh, do you remember Annihilation, the Natalie Portman film? No, where she no. oh she like steps through like this. Even Natalie Portland doesn't remember that. <laughs> I quite liked it. I don't know. But they did this really weird thing where they had like twisted alien versions of what we would associate as normal creatures. Mm-hmm. So even though these are kind of fantasy focused, you could do some really fascinating things with them with some yeah. of these with like bioluminescence and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. That would be really cool. I love the idea of plop terrain. That's great. Plop terrain. <laughs> plop terrain. You just plop it on your tabletop. Plop. Done. 
Yeah. Um, it down, mate. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is one way of doing it. Uh, it. It is a very new patron as well. They only started March last year. It is, yeah, oh, wow. it is not. Um, so, so the the range isn't super massive, but you can see they've uh, got loads sort of on my mini factory. Yeah, there is a ton on my mini factory from bases to terrain mm-hmm. to loads of different miniatures. Uh, with as you said, if you if you back the uh, Patreon as well, you get 50% off of my mini factory too. Oh, nice. So the bases that are 199, you can pick up bases, a set of different size bases from 25 to uh, 50 um, oh. for 99p. So look, ducks, if people want to play people. RuneQuest, because <laughs> RuneQuest got a bit of a, a resurgence recently. And it has, duck people, yeah, it has yeah. duck people in it who are, yeah. I would just say, vicious. Um, and obviously that Oriental theme, the Korean coming in there as well. Mm-hmm. Because everybody loves literal frame style, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very literal. They've got a mix of different things in the fantasy universe as well. So you've got the Oriental one oh. that you're seeing, and you've got a couple of different woodland ones. You've got uh, what else you say? You've got woodland, Orient swamp. Swamp's a big one there as well. Uh, you've got underwater thing. There's loads of different stuff uh, to match. And these are awesome. Yeah, They're fantastic. These. Yeah. It's it's just so it's got baff- sort of like bafflingly weird. Yeah, it's got almost like a Final Fantasy feel. Yeah, to I it agree in with a you. way, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I've heard of that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a thing that exists in pop culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I've got of- some plot. That's some plot terrain. There you go. There's your plot terrain. <laughs> oh, hang on. That's the size of your plot terrain. Oh, it's probably light, but yeah. It's, it's good to know that plop and hollow. exists. They support. They um, supply a lot of this stuff unsupported and hollow, so you can get them. Is that one you three D printed yourself? Yeah, um, and you can have either or. So you can. They every month they supply your supported and your pre-supported, so you get a chance to choose. Uh, this month the supported come a little bit late, but something <gasps> you want to build. And the supports are gorgeous. They just fall off. You don't have to hack them off. Really nice supports. It's all cool. about hacking them off. Mm-hmm. But uh, I suppose I'll show off my mini factory as well. Then, yeah. so this is the sort of stuff that you were more keyed on then, young Benjamino, the weird mm. and wacky, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, monsters. I mean, it's it's a very different take on a dryad slash druid and a tree man, but they are still very noticeably yes tree people. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the. Um... Durgin's Paint Forge range. Yeah. Uh, where they do something, they do stuff that is kind of like, like it's sort of got that fey quality to it, but also a little bit quirky, a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, I think these would, these would be a stunning little collaboration between the two of those. I love that effectively rider, that commander. Mm. That's, that's amazing. I think that'd be really so good to work on and work on some really nice transitions between like maybe her sort of green flesh and sort of like the bark around her as well i think that'd be really cool yeah very nice Mm -hmm. you thought whenever i seen those you know the shrooms that you get on trees oh yeah i was thinking but it could be either or yeah it's entirely up to you oh you could do that as oh yeah like those ridge mushrooms yeah yeah that would be with little patternings on them that would be nice that's a good idea well you could get hellboy to just blow them all away (laughs) (laughs) That that would also work yeah. See, this is both gorgeous and petrifying at the same time. That one you just click. Yeah. Gorgeous uh, and petrifying. That's what's on my Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at them. 
it's it's such a I want to say bizarre, but bizarre in a good yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not the norm. I mean, we it's see any Ghibli number. as well, actually, isn't it? Like, yeah, Ghibli. Yeah, you see any uh, number of elves on a regular basis or dwarves, and and even when they're innovative, they they still look standard. You expect to see them. This this is a whole other world of madness. How many minds is this coming from? Two. Just two? Uh, husband and wife. Yep. That's a serious amount of creativity. Yeah, uh, it really is. Annoying, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. That is very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, just... Oh. I mean, this... this oh, I've no idea what it is. Um, it has that sort of... It's a cloud with a... Dragon feel. Right now, I got... Yeah, having that as a greater water elemental in a game, I mean, people will know what's coming for them. You might mm-hmm. not like it, but they'll know it. And look, once again, another one of those... So Come on, oh, it's axolotl. the wee axolotl or full mod mudkip game, whatever mm. you want. Very nice, mm. beautiful. One of, one of the most endearing things for me, and I've talked about this a long time ago when we started looking at three D printing, was there are a lot of these people who do merchant levels on their patrons, and they also do it for Cobra Mode. They have a merchant level, and so you can you know go in and chuck them extra money and then you can print it and supply it. And I'm going, that's great because I don't do 3D printing. Who are they? Where do they come from? Yeah. You don't know. Just me. God bless them. But they have on their website a list of who their vendors are and oh, where they are in the world. That's so exactly what you asked for, Jerry. <laughs> it is literally what I asked for. And I'm glad to see yeah. that somebody was listening, even if, you know, this is just a happy circumstance, but the fact that they've split it down by region as well, mm-hmm. so you can go, well, I'm not in Canada or the Americas, uh, but I can have a look at Mayo Miniatures. Too spicy for the Danes. Man is. Dark Sphere. <laughs> I mean, you know, all right, no Dark Sphere and the quality that um, that they print in. So being able to look down it and go, well, I can lay my hands on this from Spain or France or the UK or whatever happens to be mm-hmm. without having to worry then about shipping costs or the amount of time it's going to take to get it. More people should be doing this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Quite a lot of those links are as well are links to people's Etsy stores. So if mm-hmm. you uh, don't want to go on and buy from an individual store, you can head on to one of their Etsy stores and play by PayPal and go ahead with that, right? Your money is secure with PayPal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Derby, Derby, however you pronounce it. Crazy Derby. anyway. Derby. But yeah, um, a, a fantastic little collection, like I say, not even a year old yet. Wow. Uh, so, so still room for aggressive expansion, shall we for say. Uh, and And it'll be interesting to see what how, they, do next? Yeah, how yeah. they develop, what comes next, and can they maintain... <laughs> Because when it is just two people, um, you often worry that the they'll, they'll hit a wall at some point where they're sitting going, well, we've got X, Y, and Z. What do we do next? I'm not sure. And then this always sort of can, can slow them down. But although so far, they seem to be knocking out of the park. With, yes. it, being, with it being two people, it's very lean to make decisions about what to do next. That is true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Gorgeous. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that is Cobra Mode. Mm-hmm. You'll find good them, idea. Oh. You'll find them on Patreon yeah. on My Mini Factory or on CobraMode.com. Um, 
where you can go and peruse their collections, their blog, their vendors, and so on and so forth. So you can see sort of what they're they're coming up with and uh, ideas they have as well. Awesome so, yeah, a lot of stuff going on there. And if you're into your more, I wouldn't even say whimsical, if you're into your more fantastical fantasy, yes. it's definitely one to take a look at, uh, be it. 3D printers or for Luddites like myself who just want to make other people print the stuff and then buy it. <laughs> it's it's very much a viable thing. Yeah. Did you win one of our prizes? Find out on our prize claim center over at ontabletop.com. Here we list all our previous prizes and those who have won. If you see your username, fill out the form to claim your prize. All prizes must be claimed within 30 days. Shall we take a look at some Kickstarters to round out the show then, Ben? We shall, yes. Uh, so this is the one that I was denied last week because denied. we had to talk about other things. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this is Matigo, uh, who people will know are the publishers of amazing games like mm. Kemet and Inish. Um, Kemet and the designers behind that game, which is a sort of an awesome kind of... We were talking about Risk earlier. Mm. Kemet is basically the antidote to Risk. If you don't like the mechanics of that, play Kemet. It's amazing. Dudes on the map, area control, very, very cool. Lots of dice chucking, but also they've worked in some really cool mechanics and upgrades and that kind of thing. <laughs> well, they've taken the step to do something extra and awesome with Yucatan, which sort of takes you from the deserts of the Middle East and sort of Egypt and that kind of thing, and instead winds your way into the jungles of the Mayan empires from back in the day in Central America. Nice. And so you'll be, you'll be taking control of Mayan tribes who are fighting to basically grow their empires and satisfy the gods. How do you do that? Well, you'll be taking to the tabletop and you'll be using your Mayan warriors in order to control different regions of the board and ultimately battle each other to the death. However, the death doesn't come at the end of one of those badass axes. Uh, instead, it comes with those amazing obsidian flints in them. Oh, amazing. But anyway, <laughs> it comes at the hands of sacrifice on the temples to the gods. So what you do is when you fight, uh, you dive into combat, you defeat your enemies and then you drag them back to your temples and then you will sacrifice them uh, on the, the steps of it to your different gods and gain different abilities by doing so, which will allow you to do things like upgrade your warriors, include those massive, awesome monsters in your armies and all sorts of other things at the same time. Um, the person who has managed to appease the gods the best will be the person who wins the game at the end of it. There is a catch though. The gods will always want more and more sacrifices as the game goes on. So if you sacrifice, say, for example, 20 people on turn one, and then you can only sacrifice 10 the turn after, the gods will look down on you with great ire, and they will smite you for not fulfilling your contract, <laughs> basically. And so if you, ha you have to make sure that you balance the amount of people that you slaughter in the coolest fashion <laughs> in order to get the most out of the gods as you play through the game. The other really awesome thing about this is they kind of like condense the play space this as well. So it's all about this in this sort of like large round ball, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. There's loads and loads of really awesome stuff in there to do with like the upgrades to your the way your armies fight. So every time you approach the game, you might attempt it from a different angle. You might try different upgrades. You might try different cards. You might try monsters this time. You might try just doing it with all troops instead. The other thing is the game doesn't use dice for any of the combat. The dice that are in there to kind of like sort of like um, tick things up and that kind of thing, and you use them for upgrades and all sorts of different things, a little bit like Kemet. But in this, all of the combat is done through cards. So you have to work out 
how many warriors you're going to be sending in and then secretly revealing combat cards in order to outwit your enemies. So you have to play, you have to play through like this really interesting mind game as you dive deeper and deeper into Yucatan, which I think sounds absolutely That's cool. Um, if you have played Kemet or you've played Ines and, and those kind of games before, I think people are very, very much going to like this. Um, Matago have got a very good track record with bringing these games to retail after Kickstarters as well. So if you really want to dive in and have fun with this, then you can definitely do that. And I love that they actually have upgrade upgraded tokens. Yeah. Just get out some sweet corn and use the use the tin. But <laughs> but yeah, some really, really cool stuff in here. I really like I really like what they're doing with this. Um, it's nice to see them approaching uh, again, something a little bit different from kind of like your standard medieval mm. fantasy fighting on the tabletop. You know, obviously, they did sort of ancient Egypt. Now they're looking at sort of Mayan mythology and folklore as well. I think it's very, very cool. Um, some nice twists in this. And I definitely think this is a board game you want to check out if you like a bit of blood on the tabletop. Oh, lovely. Brutal. Yeah, it looks very interesting indeed. I take it it doesn't share the the same mechanics that Kemet does. Then this this is a new system that they've built for this so i think the 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 key dna is there from the original from kemet in sort of like the way that in order that you'll you'll fight using the cards and the numbers on those in order to generate who wins and victory and that kind of thing the the way that it changes then is is sort of in how things uh, are upgraded mm-hmm. and that kind of sacrifice mechanic uh, towards the gods and stuff like that so they have thrown in some little tweaks here and there that kind of build on what kemet was and playing around with that format a little bit more, which is quite cool. But um, but yeah, looks really really nice. And uh, I, I I do notice that they've managed to they've made it so that uh, from the looks of it anyway, mm-hmm. each of the individual players has their own kind of like upgrade trees and things that they work from, rather than there being almost like a shared one that they had in Kemet. Right. Uh, so they've played around with that a little bit more, uh, which is really cool. But um, yeah, looks really awesome, and uh, I can't wait to give it a go. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to be at conventions this year. That yeah. would be lovely. So yeah, nice. Already making your plans to sacrifice your uh, your minions. Yeah, but just the right amount of sacrifice. The right amount of sacrifice. <laughs> if you sacrifice too much too soon, you end up being beloved of the gods, but with nobody mm. left to worship you. That's, exactly. that's always a terrible shame. You know, we've all been there. We've all annihilated our own civilizations for the implication of gods in the past. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't? Sorry, the Shorians. I've destroyed uh, you all. <laughs> well, that's that's how that one goes. Uh, Eleven days left on the Yucatan. Yeah. Uh, so if you fancy getting into your Mesoamerica fantasy uh, area control, give that one a look. Rounding out our Kickstarters for the week then, free. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you all know better than I do that goblins are pretty well known for getting up to risky business, okay? so we're Risky business. Risky <laughs> business, yeah, that's exactly what goblins are up to, right? Whether they're making a wonderful home under a rotty tree. Or growing in their fantasy redneck engineering. That's goblins. Or stealing babies. Or stealing. This is goblins. Risky business they, they offer, right? <laughs> we stereotype them as devious little creatures that just breed at an alarming rate. So the second adorable Kickstarter is up, putting gobbos in front of centre. So it's a pocket-sized RPG that requires no dice, no DM, just a little mint tin, and the cards inside, and a brain for adventure. So I see there's no Charlies this time. Unfortunately not, yeah. Unfortunately. So players are going to take the role of adorablings and pick from several little adorable goblins going on an exciting journey. However, they're not going to be on their own. They're going to be side by side with their own little 
companion before they plumbed Aww. into their own story. So you've got choices with resourceful assistants like Shroomy, as you've just seen, Shroomy, or you've got the armoured battle buddies called Rolly and Polly. And I honestly don't think I've found a woodlouse that I've loved this much since Tuck and Roll from Bugs Life, so I'm quite excited about this. But an adventure of two to five players, they will go, they need to go for a portal and complete a series of goals and objectives determined by drawing the card. So... If you didn't want to add some extra spice to the storyline, although the game doesn't require a GM, you can add one in. There is an option too, if you do want a little bit of extra imagination for your story. So I think it's great. Uh, wonderful to get the basics down of RPGs for the younger kiddies of RPG. Um, posing the questions that you might get asked in more advanced game systems. But it's a great way to equip your A-plus adventurers um, in a pocket-sized game with imagination, whilst using the appropriate system. So uh, there's a few step stretch goals as well to be unlocked. Uh, upgrades to game components, a couple of new adorablins to go on your adventures with, um, and some new whimsical and damn right adorable uh, companions to come with you. So um, because who doesn't need a best friend called uh, Snail called Speedy? Like, I just, mm. just want to know who doesn't need that. So there's 13 days left on the clock uh, for this campaign. There's already 10 grand above their initial pitch. So uh, there's a few different pledges available. So you can get the digital version if you'd like, the physical or a complete bundle as well uh, for children's RPG in as well. So be sure to check out the adult Yeah, I, I quite like the narrator cards, actually, because that, that's the hardest part when you're getting anybody into RPGs, not yeah. even kids, yeah. but just anybody. And somebody goes, oh, fancy doing that. And then they sit at a table and chances are, they just sit there with their mouth glued shut while it goes round, mm-hmm. and then somebody goes, "What are you going to do?" And they just look at you funny. Uh. But, <laughs> but having having things like the the narrator cards where they can you know it, it gives options um, then that they can you know pluck from, so they they kind of get an idea of the sort of things they should be doing or could be doing. Yeah, the uh, the artworks. I suppose the word is adorable. Yeah, it's adorable, Jerry. I like the worm with the fez. It is very, yeah, I like it. Oh, worm with the fez. The thing that I thought was nice about this is that it, it runs with that powered by the apocalypse system. Now, that can be a little bit of a, a culture shock, I think, that system for some people who've maybe stepped away from things like Dungeons and Dragons before. Mm-hmm. But that kind of idea of the playbook and kind of moves instead of it just being based around the idea of just simple dice chucking. Mm. So I think it'll be really, this would be an interesting one to use as kind of like a an inroad to that because obviously they've themed this so that it can work with younger, younger gamers. Mm-hmm. So if you can get your head around a little bit, sort of like how that works and then move on to other power by the apocalypse games afterwards, I think that'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really nice idea. Um, well, as long as you like woodlice. Yeah. As long as, well, who I'm, not, like I'm not entirely keen on woodlice because I used to have a shower. Okay. And in this and in this shower, it was a fi- it was a fake he bath. Shower anymore, by the way. Right. So do you know the way you have tiles and showers, right? Yeah. This was like it was like plastic tiles, but on a wooden thing. Mm-hmm. So it was actually wooden shower, right? Oh, and so every time you stepped into the shower, you needed to beat this. You oh. needed to beat the entire wall because about four hundred wood lice would fall down into the shower tray, and then you'd have oh. to wash them all away, and then you could have your shower. Because if you didn't. You're just going to keep stepping on them as they fall down from behind it. It was horrible. So you're telling oh, me no. you committed mass uh, woodlouse genocide on a daily basis, yeah? Yep. Did you at least sacrifice them to the god of showers? I, I probably would have got rid of them. To the god of the sinkhole. Oh, well. Close enough. <laughs> 
So if, if you're not a fan of uh, woodlice, then maybe use the shroom <laughs> or the fez wearing worm in yes. your games. Or the snail. Uh, yeah, or the snail, speedy. But the uh, Dorblins, there's 13 days left. And it's uh, by Grabthar's Hammer Bargain. It's yes. like 11 quid it's for the really physical cheap. copy. 11 quid? Yeah, yeah, it's really cheap. Yeah, stick it in your pocket. Why not? At that, at that price, why not buy a copy? Mm-hmm. And you get the digital copy as well with it. So yeah, when you spend yeah, 11 pounds, people, you get digital. People don't like that. I don't like that. Why would you want that? Don't buy a takeaway this week. Back the Adora Goblins. There you go. <laughs> it's definitely a way to go. That wraps us up for another week's worth of news and gaming. We will return for the XLBS, where our Cult of Games members get to listen to us waffle on about our hobby and theirs. If you've not seen us, come on over to ontabletop.com, sign up for a 30-day trial, and you can join us and see what we get up to uh, when left unsupervised. (laughs) Otherwise, we'll be back again next Friday night uh, for more of the same, and we will see you then. Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, why not hit subscribe and remember to ding our dong. Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.